In a world where coaches are still the main characters, the players are now legally chasing the ultimate bag, and the game of basketball is always the top priority, there is only one brand you can trust to help you wade through all the madness. Hey, I'm Tate Frazier from One Shining Podcast, and you can join me twice a week as we navigate the always entertaining world of college basketball. Every Monday, The Ringer's Kyle Man helps me make sense of the biggest stories from the weekend. And on Fridays, we talk to our many friends of the program. We're locked in on the best postseason in sports. Make sure you follow One Shining Podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Go beyond reality with new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea and discover a berry delicious world bursting with unexpected blackberry flavor. A world so full of refreshing blackberry iced tea that you may never want to leave. But there's always time to linger. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit amazon.com slash pureleaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Gentlemen, welcome back to the Death Taxes and Bananas podcast. Now, I want to apologize to all of my faithful listeners out there. Uh, I feel sort of like a traitor for not recording or releasing an episode for you to indulge in. But it's because I needed time to get my next guest booked. All right. And honestly, I probably would have had a better chance at getting her to record from an island in Micronesia uh, than I was getting her to set up a time in California. So between like Disneyland and building tents and all this other stuff, finally, finally, we got her to commit. But speaking of Micronesia, up until recently, this is where, and islands in general, this is where she did her best work. Uh, She's played four seasons of Survivor, Cook Islands, fans versus favorites, heroes versus villains, winners at war, but most recently has taken her talents and her array of headbands to a castle in Scotland. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome my next guest, the Duchess of Deception, the Mistress of Murder, Parvati Shallow. Welcome to the podcast. Wow, Johnny, what an introduction. I'm actually shocked that you had me on. You, I thought that you didn't like me because you thought I murdered you for the longest time. Okay, there is some truth in that, but the reason, the actual <laughs> reason I had you on, Barbity, mm. was because I wanted to wear this. Yes. Oh, that's man. the only reason. All right, You're we're done here, guys. Uh, podcast over. This is the only reason I wanted to have her on. I wanted to uh, show her that I too can rock a predatory headband. That's more like a. Princess cotton candy headband, Johnny. <laughs> well, this is princess cotton candy. Yeah, you're making a real sweet statement with that one. I was going for more uh, unicorn. I fart, I fart glitter 
um, <laughs> yeah. style. My daughter would love that. Well, you know what? It's hers. I'll send it to her. Just send me. I need your address, but I also need Dan's address because I want to send him something as well. And it's not exotic animal shit. I promise. Okay. Okay. Now I'm concerned. <laughs> um, but yo, thank you for coming on. I really do appreciate it. Um, obviously, before we get into traders, I just want to give some of the listeners out there uh, some background on you, uh, where you're from. Obviously, as I said, uh, you've you've played four seasons of Survivor. Would you say your most memorable season? was the one with Sandra and um, Russell, which was what, Heroes versus Villains, right? Yeah, I think that's the one that the people's choice of Survivor, Heroes versus Villains. And why is that? Like, what made you... Because, listen, coming on the show, this is the first time I'd met you, but I'd heard a ton about you before going on. Um, we have we have mutual friends out there. Uh, but yeah, I heard a ton about you and you were definitely someone I was told to like watch out for going in. So what made you such like a infamous reality television threat slash queen? You were told to like, watch out for me in a good way. Like a big brother watches out for a little sister, right? No, more like watch out. Cause she's going <laughs> to cut your throat in your sleep. <laughs> yeah. She's going to poison you in the billiard room. She's going to poison you. She's going <laughs> to flip you off in an SUV before you even go into the house. Actually, that was you, sir, flipping everyone <laughs> off in the SUV. Everyone was like, Tamara was in my van. She's like, who's that guy? He's so rude, flipping people off. <laughs> yeah, I think that was kind of, you know what it is? It's like, because I don't know if you notice this about me, but I am kind of immature. Mm, I don't know. Not with that headband. You look quite regal. Oh, thank you. Uh, I don't even know what Regal means. I'm going to Google that. Um, but uh, I, what Regal, like the uh, the movie theater. Um, but no, I was like, I felt like a kid. Like, you know, when you're on the bus, maybe you probably didn't do this because you're probably too Regal. Uh, but, you know, when you're like a kid and you're on the school bus or your friends are in the other car and it's like you don't know anything other to do than flip them off. Yeah, we didn't flip people off. We mooned people. So I would just show oh. my butt to everyone next to us. Dang. Why didn't that you do that? That was my you style. Should have done that. I should have worked you. better. I think maybe we would have had a, a stronger bond had I done that. Because I really do. I think some people got it, but then I think like you and Tamara right out of the gate were like, this is not funny and we don't like this guy. I think the first night actually we were in the castle, you told me I was an asshole. Did I say that? We were all sitting in the in the little circle uh in the bar that had no alcohol. Yeah, the first night we were there. You're like, Yeah, you're kind of an asshole. And I was like, Oh, um, okay. I would but then say you said that. you liked assholes. I do tend to. Yeah. So then it's a compliment. All right. Perfect. But then you died. So we didn't really get to connect. And then I died. And yes, I will say, I'm sorry. I did think it was, I thought you had a hand in it. Okay. Until our mutual friend, Michelle Fitz, shout out. Michelle was like, no, she wasn't even a traitor at that time. She hadn't even been recruited yet. So that's when I, when I found out that it was a move made um, solely by Dan. But who's, I mean, who's to say if I had been a traitor that I wouldn't have murdered you? Would you have? Nah. Uh, I wouldn't have murdered you either. That's what I thought. I was like, listen, I thought we were just getting somewhere. You know, she called me an asshole. She touched my leg. I'm like, all right, <laughs> Did awesome, I touch dude. Your leg? <laughs> when, when did I touch your leg? Which time? <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Then I guess, I guess we were just, we were just getting started in our relationship. So it would have been the first traders, uh, traitorous showmance on the show ever. They don't tend to lean into showmances. There were many flirtations in our season of traders, but they didn't show that. 
Ooh, were there? Like who? Mm. Besides you and I? Besides our short-lived. Yeah, besides our short-lived romance. <laughs> Very short-lived. Um, I can't say. If they didn't show it on the show, I can't. What? But it may come out. I mean, I think just pay attention to social media, to the airwaves from the cast, and maybe we'll see something come out in the Seems future. like Phaedra and CT were had a little thing there. She was calling them Castle Daddy. They were holding hands in the forest. Daddy. And then she did say that to Alan <laughs> Cumming as well. She's like, mm, okay, Daddy. I think Alan had a thing for me. Alan, if Alan had a thing for me, I would jump on that. That is a thing you don't want to miss. I think I think for a few reasons. I think one is because he liked the way that I looked in, in my suits. And two, you know, after I stole his gold and he actually told me, this, I can't wait to have him on the podcast because we actually talked about this at uh, Club Coming. They were like in his ear the entire time when I robbed that gold bar and then I dropped it on the table. Oh, what I were they saying was, to him? Because he was not like, happy. They were like this, like in the mic. Uh, Johnny Bananas just picked up a bar of gold. Just be aware. <laughs> He's picked up a bar of gold and he's <laughs> hiding it in his jacket pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Alan would never have known. And how did the gold feel? Because it looks like it would be heavy, but when you it's pick heavy. it up, it's pretty light. Was no, it heavy? Was it, no, the ones, see, I think they might have had like real ones and then like fake ones because the one I picked up was heavy. You heard it hit the table. Oh my God. It was like a oh, hockey puck. Almost took my finger off. Um, all right, listen, before we get into traders real quick, your season of heroes versus villains. Cause this also, I think ties into the rivalry between Sandra and you. So correct me if I'm wrong. Cause I just kind of did a cliff notes version of this season. A lot of the fans out there felt as if Sandra didn't necessarily play as great of a game that you did like overall strategically athletically was kind of kept around as like an insurance policy or a layup. Didn't really stir the pot, cause any drama, which you did. And then when you got to the end, it all came down to jury management. She was obviously voted the winner. You were not. Is that accurate? What was I right about? What was I wrong about? I think that's a solid recap. Did you get that off of survivor Wikipedia? Nope, I got it off my producer, Sasha. Thanks, Sasha. Oh, well done, Sasha. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. I think the fans really loved watching me play from the bottom. I was the underdog for that season. And people love to see an underdog story like come out on top. So I just kind of scrapped my way through the game, working side by side with the person who everyone on the cast hated the most because he lied very aggressively. Russell Hands. Oh God, he was so controlling and manipulative and Ugh. and hate, quite hate a controlling king. A bully. He's a short Ugh. king. He He's a short a sh- king? Yeah. When you talk about a short king, that's Russell Hands. He's a little guy, Ooh. but he has a big personality and he's well, really intense. He's got little man. He's got uh, Napoleon syndrome. He's like, <laughs> does he drive a lifted truck? I have no idea what he drives. Does he back into park? Does he back into parking spaces? I could imagine he drives something that like makes a lot of sound yeah. when it pulls up next to you and you just like look over because you're like, oh, what's that sound? And then he tips his fedora to you. When you were on the island, because short guys on the challenge do this sometime when TJ lines us all up, they'll like pile up a bunch of sand and then stand on top of the sand pile. So they look taller. <laughs> did he do that? He didn't do that. You never did that? That's such a good idea. 
Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it done before. There was this guy Hunter on the show that used to do that. He would literally, if there was like rocks or sticks or like a sand pile, he'd like he'd literally like build a sandcastle for himself to stand on uh, when we were doing our. You know, and then when the camera zooms out, they show yeah. him standing on a pile of rocks. <laughs> standing on his friend's shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I would love, maybe if Russell plays Survivor again, he can take that idea. Uh, Russell, if you're listening, it. listen, short King Russell, if you're listening, just get an apple box or like, you know, a pile of sand. Rocks. But yeah, that's exactly what happened. And then at the end of the game, some of the girls who I'd played with in the past, like I played with Amanda and Micronesia and I'd gone to the end with her and I won that season. I think that was really painful for her. So, and then Candace in Cook Islands, we were really close in Cook Islands and I had done better than her in that season. And then in Heroes Villains, those two and I didn't work together. And I had a hand in voting them out, a very significant hand in voting them out. And I think they were mad at me and some of the other jury members, I knew I wasn't going to get their votes, but those two girls that I didn't get their vote, that those hurt. But that Always was does. it. That was the end. Fans will never understand. Okay. Fans will never understand. They watch and they're like, oh my God, it's just a game. How do you get upset? Why do you get emotional? It's like, it's not for us. When you're there, when you put that much sweat, toil, tears, blood, when you Starvation. give that much... Dude, starvation, emotional, spiritual, physical energy to something, and and you're trapped in that, that becomes your reality. And those things that most people just watch on TV as like, you know, fake, it's 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 really not. That's I mean, that's why they do what they do. That's why they create the environment they do to create this illusion that it is real and you really do develop, you know, emotions. It is like such a social experiment. It's like a government experiment where they do the Stanford prison experiment when they put people mm -hmm. in those roles. It does it does consume your reality for the time that you're in the game. And if you're a competitor like you and me, then we're going to throw ourselves into it fully and completely. So it's really survivor for me is very difficult to separate myself and the game because it's so physical. Traders was really different for me. It was much easier for me to separate myself because I had the costume. I had the headbands. I was like, Oh, I'm, putting myself into this character. So when I got home from that, it wasn't so hard for me to um, decompress and like reestablish. Okay. Now I'm in my regular life again. Yeah. I didn't have much time. Uh, I didn't have much of a problem decompressing either. <laughs> you just went on a vacation for two weeks after you got murdered. <laughs> two. I mean, after I was there for fucking what, four days. I didn't even get to change out of my day one. Look, I got oh. one. I got to change outfits one time. All right. They slid the outfit <laughs> under the door. I'm like, Oh cool. I get to change my outfit. I've been wearing the same suit for four days. Show up. They're like, you got to do a MIV, which is the little, you know, to the, to listeners, like the little interviews that we do. Go down and I find the envelope and it's like, you've been murdered. I'm like, God damn it. How many outfits did you bring? Oh, I, when I tell you, I had a wardrobe that would have made RuPaul jealous. Okay. Like That's I brought, hard to do. Ru is in a standalone category when it comes to wardrobe. I brought straight fire and brimstone. All right. No, if you would have seen my, I packed two massive suitcases when the, when they, when the wardrobe specialist or whatever came in to consult, she's looking at all the shit that I brought. And she's like, I don't even know what to do with all this. She's like, I, there's so many good options. So we whittled them all down and I got to I wear one. I love how you have a, a really hard time 
speaking well about yourself, like speaking confidently about the things that you do well. It's like you're you have you're so humble. I am a humble king. To a fault. Humble king. I, I would agree. I mean, I think one of my or two of my biggest weaknesses um, it's my uh, it, uh, is my inability to give myself like praise. Mm. And also I'm so giving to others that sometimes I give so much it hurts. And I have yeah, to like, you're like please, please the, take the spotlight away from me. It's too bright. These lights are hurting my eyes. I have to slap myself and be like, stop giving so much. I do love how committed you are to the headband though. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, this thing ain't never coming off again. Do you want to know what this is for though? <laughs> what? Cause I, could, I couldn't listen. I was going to take a trip to Claire's to actually like get like a sparkly, like, cause I texted Parv the other day and I was like, yo, you got to rock your craziest headband and it's got to be banana yellow. And then she's like, you have to. And I was like, all right, but I didn't have time to go to Claire's. So instead I went to CVS and this is the one I guess you wear to like when you're doing like, you know, self-care Sundays, <laughs> to keep your hair from falling in your face. <laughs> we got to get you a sheet mask and some cucumber slices. Oh no, that's after, that the pod- that's after the podcast. That's after the podcast. Yeah. Yep. Great. Yeah, we're doing that after. Okay. Um, what is what's day Wednesday? We're doing self-care Wednesdays. Speaking of bananas, when we were texting last night about this podcast, I was like, bananas are the most important thing oh, yeah. on Survivor. Yeah, you did say this. So you had a thing for bananas before you even ever came on Traders, is what you're saying. Me and bananas go way, way back. It was how I got through the day on yeah. the island. Putting a, eating and a banana. Banana wars in Heroes versus Villains. If you ever have like, maybe if you get ill and you have some time to binge watch a season of Survivor, watch Heroes versus Villains because there's a whole banana wars, banana etiquette. You can't be eating all the ripe bananas. You got to wait till they turn the green ones turn yellow. And there was a whole thing where I played two idols to save the villains as a group and to get the upper hand. When it was like a tie, heroes, the heroes had five, the villains had five, and it was like, who's going to gain the upper hand? I played two idols, and it was this whole speech that I gave about how I could not bear to watch green bananas turn yellow without my villains. Dude. I know. Is, it's a big deal. That's amazing. Yeah. So we're like, we're kind of like kindred spirits in a way. Reality television kindred spirits. I can't believe we only first met at Traders. I can't, I can't believe it. Well, it's because it's all the DMs, I, when I slid into your DMs a bunch of times, you never opened them because I guess we weren't following each other. So it probably went to like the request side. Oh, uh, how many, how many years have you been tracking me? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Long time. Long time. Once they were like, dude, this girl loves bananas. I'm like, guys, let me ask you a question. How do you open? What's the proper way to actually peel a banana though? Let's see if you know this. Okay. A lot of people think you want to go from like the stem part, but you really want to go from the butt. Yes. You do. do you that. always go for, when it comes to bananas, you always go for the butt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because the that. stem is a handle. It's a handle. Yeah. And you get, you know, that the worst part of the banana, other than like the, the very bitter skin, is that they call it Satan's asshole, that little black tip. Mm, I didn't and, know and that's if, what they called it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. See, Noted. so you don't know everything about bananas. You know that we share 70% of our DNA with bananas? No. Yes. Human beings share 70% of their DNA with bananas. Well, in many climates, that is the only, like the most prevalent form of sustenance. So I got it. But I will say, Johnny, I, I don't like bananas to eat. I'll eat them if I'm starving on an island. Or if you're desperate in Scotland. 
not even then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So getting back to uh, traders, because you got us way off. I know. We're really rails. going Where off did on we go? tangents. Where are we I right have now? no idea. We talked about Micronesia. The hell are we? You've did got I just us- poop in the refrigerator and eat an entire <laughs> wheel of cheese? Um, okay. So you and Sandra, so obviously I wanted to tie in your guys's very awkward interaction night mm. one. We first moved into the, to, to the castle, uh, when you guys came in it was like, like it was so awkward. You cut it with a knife. So that then stems from the fact that you guys kind of had this ongoing survivor rivalry situation where you felt like you should have won. Fans felt like she should have, you should have won, but she won. And we had to then have traders come to the side who is the undisputed queen, essentially. Right. It was super awkward because previously last year in 2023, like around January, Sandra posted in a Facebook forum saying something like, oh, you should have spent time. If you think Parvati is good, like you should have spent time on an island with her. She's not that nice. And then Tyson texted it to me and also a fan sent it to me on Instagram. And Tyson's like, Hey, are you and Sandra beefing? And I was like, she says this kind of stuff all the time. I usually ignore it, but this time I'm not going to ignore it. I'm going to engage. So I reposted it on my stories and I said, nice girls don't win survivor. Call me anything, but don't call me nice. But Sandra, feel free to keep my, my name in your mouth to stay relevant. It was like, it was a burn. And And then the fans went crazy and Sandra responded. And it was this whole thing where fans were making videos of who's the queen. It's, is it me or is it Sandra? People were firmly establishing themselves in one camp or the other. And then us weekly picked it up and it was like Sandra and Parvati having a big feud. And so it blew up massively. I texted her at the time that this was happening. It lasted for like a week. And I was like, Hey, are you having fun with this? Cause I am. And she is like, Oh, it got out of hand. So at that point I realized she wasn't really enjoying it. And then I, I decided to end it. I was like, I'm going to make a post and end this feud. You know who else doesn't enjoy, uh, online back and forth shit talking is, is Dan. Oh, really? Not a big engager. Yeah. Oh, you've been trying to engage him in a. No, I've just, I've just launched some absolutely incendiary uh, comments his way, and it'll be like no response. And five minutes later, it's like, hey guys, how about the weather outside? Hey oh. man, how about those New York Jets? But you hey, know you guys what? Watching tonight's episode, I'm like, come on, dude. But you know what, Johnny? That does work to stop the energy. No, it does of not. You moving it towards just feeds. him. Just feeds my fire. Do you, are you like, now you're going to just keep coming up with sick burns to throw his way? Sick burns, sick burns. (laughs) Okay. I think this is one of the reasons why you (laughs) thought that I was mad at you too, is because you somehow got lumped into one of my sick burns, but it had absolutely nothing to do with you. Somebody in the, when he recruited you as trader, he's like, Oh, I'm going to recruit Parvati because she's the female version of me. And then I tweeted back and I was like, Oh, you mean neither one of you has a set of balls? Yeah. I don't want balls. I'm saying, but that wasn't a burn against you. <laughs> no, I, okay. I'm used to getting trolled online. That happens to me a lot, but, and I'm sure you are as well. Oh, dude. But I thought you were mad at me because Michelle told me, our mutual friend. Wow, Michelle wasn't supposed to say anything. God damn it, Michelle. You weren't supposed to say anything. I mean, Michelle's friends with me right, too. You know what, Michelle? You're out of the, you're out of the truth, the truth booth. The trust You're out tree? of the nest. You're out of the trust tree. The truth booth. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, all right. <laughs> Very early on, 
so this is okay. So me, you and Sandra in the house, did you think that this was ever going to come to a head? This is another thing I was wondering. It's like, why do you think that, was she aware? Do you think she was aware that you were a traitor ever before it, it got out? Or do you think she was keeping that to herself? I mean, like, why wouldn't she, if she thought that, want to try and get rid of you? Because she probably felt you were going to come after her at some point. I think when Peppermint brought Sandra and I together, it was a relief for both of us because I don't think that would have happened without a very strong leader mediator. So once that happened, Sandra and I were like, oh, phew, now we don't have to like circle each other like sharks. We can let this go. We can just trust that we will move forward together without having to really be seen as strategizing with one another. We can just know that we're not coming after each other, which that was really helpful for us. And then I think, I don't think she knew that I was a traitor. I thought Sandra knows me. She's going to know I'm acting super weird. I felt like I was acting so weird. I was like, I'm being the weirdest person in this castle. But <laughs> Sandra was like, didn't know. Cause I asked her at press week in New York. I was like, did you know that I was a traitor? She's like, I had no idea. I'm glad she's honest because Love Janelle to death, but Janelle claims that she knew the entire game the second she walked in the house. She said, I knew Dan was a traitor. I knew Parvati was a traitor. I'm like, did you? Come on. No, but she's doing that podcast with Tamara. Tamara's trying to get her 15 minutes of fame from this because she didn't do much on the show. And they're trying to say like they knew after the fact, but I do appreciate that about Sandra. Like, love her or hate her. Like, I find her to be so entertaining. And I think she she's is. hilarious. She's so direct. And she'll just say exactly what's on her mind. And she'll post anything on social media. That's what I love about it. Like, you know, most people with pictures on Instagram, they'll like make sure it's the right angle, the right lighting. It's like Adobe Illustrated Photoshop. They'll wait a month to post it. Dude, we were in New York. Sandra was posting like 17 times a day. She's like, oh, here's a view out my window. Here's my here's my my eggs and toast this morning. Like, here's a pigeon flying by. And she was also posting with that song, New York. You know what it is? Sandra's like that person that she just downloaded Instagram like the other day. And she's like, oh, this is how this works. I just, it's like not Twitter. You know, Twitter, you post your thoughts, like anything that pops in your head. That's not how Instagram works. You don't just post anything you see. I think if you're not following Sandra, you need to follow her. And follow you know Sandra. who else is really fun to follow who does the same thing? Sari. Sari's videos are so fun to watch because she just doesn't care. And she's post and she's so funny and charismatic herself. So follow Sandra and Sari and you're in for a treat. All right. Well, I'm gonna where's my phone? Follow yeah, them get right on now. that. And Sari I should probably, follow, I should probably the follow first you. season of traders. Maybe I should follow you while I'm at it. Oh, you already did, Johnny. Oh, Too no, I late. I got a notification. It was like bing. The guy who's been sliding in your DMs for the past five years has finally followed you. Yeah. Well, hey, man. Persistence beats resistance, right? <laughs> yes. Um, All right. So first round table, and we're just going to, obviously, I want to get to the, the latest episodes, but I just want you were immediately out of the gate called out by Larsa for being a traitor because she heard Alan's coat raise. When we watched it back, he was doing it on purpose when he walked by everybody. Did that make you feel like when that happened, like when she called you out immediately at the first round table, were you like, oh, like this is happening to me already? I'm not even, and you weren't like in, obviously in, in hindsight, you weren't a traitor, but did you feel like that was immediately putting an unnecessary target on your back? Yes. And anytime I come out and play these competition games, I'm well aware of what my reputation is. And look, you didn't even know me, but you had already been warned about me. You too? So I think is a lot the same of, about you? I think a lot of people know to watch out for me 
in these kinds of competitions. So when Larsa did that, I was like, oh, no, it's going to be even harder for me to gain people's trust because any, I mean, we've seen this game play out. It's like any little thing is reason to banish someone at the round table. A twitch, a weird breathing, uh, you didn't look me in the eyes. So uh, Larsa saying that. Playing the guitar at fucking, the, in front of everyone and, 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 you know, getting a sing-along going before our first mission. <laughs> like Ken on Barbie? Yeah, dude. I think is that's, that your I, style? Would you call yourself a Ken? Is that your MO? I could um, see you having like a rock and roll dream house. Yeah, dude. I, I, I think I could be Ken. I consider myself more like, um, if I had to pick, I think I'd be more like, uh, I think I'd be more like, like He-Man living <laughs> in, the, in, in Castle Grayskull. With a sword and a loincloth? Oh, yep, that's it. That's what, that is what you should have brought for your trader's outfit. How do you know one of them wasn't? Oh, with like a fur skirt? I had a kilt. I was I had a kilt I was going to wear. Yeah. Huh? And that's it. Only a kilt. Alan would have murdered you himself if you had come out looking my, like that. Alan would have played with my bagpipes if he would have saw me walk out in a kilt. Burr, burr, burr. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, but then, I mean, lo and behold, right after the first round table, you were immediately recruited as a trader. Was this something that you wanted? Because I feel like some people were like it, when we talked down, some people really wanted to be a trader. Some people did not want to be a trader. You said in your exit, when you were, when you were leaving, when you got banished that you wanted to play a faithful game. Is this something that you wanted or were you kind of like, God damn dude, now I'm tasked with this. I didn't ask for this. Uh, it was kind of a yes and it was like both. I, I wanted to be a faithful for longer in the game, but I did want to be recruited as a trader. That's like my idea for how to win the game was play a faithful at first so that I could like be normal and not be super weird keeping the secret. And then once I had enough established rapport and trust with the faithful, then I wanted to be recruited as a trader. But um, it just happened faster than I initially wanted it to happen. And it was uh, anxiety provoking in me in a major way. I was just like, oh my God, and I have to go into this breakfast with um, the secret. And it was, I was really freaked out about it. So you were, so it, it induced a lot of anxiety and it was over sooner than you thought it would be. If I had a dollar for every time I heard a girl tell me that. <laughs> That's not something to be proud of, Johnny, but you could I be a rich a man, I'm sure. If I had a dollar. You'd be a very wealthy man. I could buy you anything on the dollar menu. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Go beyond reality with new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea and discover a berry delicious world bursting with unexpected blackberry flavor. A world so full of refreshing blackberry iced tea that you may never want to leave. But there's always time to linger. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit amazon.com slash pureleaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. What was, if you had to pick one moment this season in the castle on the show, that it was like your lowest moment, the saddest point that you had, what would that be and why was it the day I was murdered? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, let me see. <laughs> um, I, I had a very, I had many low moments. Ugh. I'll tell you what, I had like so many moments where I was like, the jig is up. 
they know it's me. When I was in the coffin at the funeral and CT comes by my coffin and he is like, we know it's Parvati because she murdered Marcus. They didn't show that in his speech, but it was like, I was like, did I hear that right? Are they saying like, they know it's me? And then I just like dropped the act for a minute and just laid in the coffin. So you don't see me pop up out of the coffin. Cause I was like laying there like, well, the jig is up. They got me. And then I get out and then Sheree tells me like, oh, like, yeah, we thought it was you, but we know it's, you know, whatever, like something else. And I was like, oh, okay. So they, they don't know it's me. So I had so many moments where I was like about to just like stop acting and yeah, yeah. like, unravel. Like, yeah, uh, completely. But then something would happen and I would be like, oh, okay, no, like I got to keep playing this role of traitor. But the lowest point I think I had was like, Dan's gone. They're on to me. It's like Peter's a dog with a bone with me. So I would like go into the bathroom and I would just be like, I need a moment because you don't have a moment in the castle. It's like every room is intense. I would walk into one room and they'd be like, why aren't you um, telling us who you think it is? Why, why aren't you giving us a name? Why are, is it you? It's gotta be you. And they'd be like confronting me nonstop. So I was like, I just need like five minutes to regroup, to think of what I'm going to say. And I didn't really have a partner. I work very well in relationship. I work very well with partners and and in like a dynamic. And so I felt really on my own because Phaedra wasn't strategizing with me at all. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'm going to like regroup. And I would just be there like holding the sink, like breathing, like, what am I going to say when MJ confronts me? What am I going to say when Peter is like gunning for me in front of everybody? But yeah, that was hard. Those were the moments where I was like, okay, I got to like really pull it out. What I've found interesting, and obviously like I wasn't there long enough to like really pick up on this. But what I found interesting is how people say that if you're a faithful, you act a certain way when like a murder takes place and when a banishment takes place. And then if you're a traitor, you act differently, right? Like, so when someone's murdered, the traitors aren't that shocked because they already knew. Was that something that, because again, and the later the game goes on, it seems like those are the things that people are starting to point out to pinpoint who the traitors are. So did you kind of find yourself not like, did you, were you looking at your behavior and being like, oh shit, they're right. I'm actually not acting like a faithful because I, you know, didn't blink twice when someone was murdered. Like, is, is that kind of like, I guess the hardest part of the game is acting like something you're actually not. That, that to me was the hardest part of the game was like putting on a shocked face at breakfast and being like, I'm, I'm so worried I'm going to get murdered. Oh my God. Like someone's going to kill me. And then when you're sitting with people in the groups in the castle during the day, being like, I wonder if it could be this person because they looked at me weird or they're not afraid of like putting that on other people was also really hard for me. It's sort of like you've got to gaslight everyone, including yourself, to be yeah. good at the game. Yeah. <laughs> gaslight everybody and yourself. We are not teach. you know what? This show is not teaching the younger generation very good behavior, okay? No, I think most reality shows don't teach the younger generations good behavior. And also the um, adult generations aren't being taught good behavior with this stuff. But it's not that fun to watch people being honest and no. upstanding citizens. It's Hell fun no. to watch people lying. And I also think people are watching traders as sort of um, a teaching tool to see for themselves. Like, 
well, would I know that this yes. person was a traitor? Could I tell that they're lying? Like, what would I be looking for? Because that happens in real life. People are getting gaslit every day. So yeah, yeah. how do you know if someone's telling you the truth or not? You know, um, read it's Handmaid's an educational. Tale. Oh my God. Handmaid's Tale. It's so <laughs> stressful for me. I got really into that before I had Ama, before I gave birth to my baby. And I was like, Aww. why am I, why am I watching this show? It's so intense and stressful. Yeah, I heard. That's how I felt when I read uh, 30 Shades of Grey. 50? 50 Grades of Shay. 50 Grades of Shay. 50 Grades of Shay? Oh, it's 50 Grades of Shay. 50 Shades of Grey. 50 Shades of Grey. No, you I got watched it. The, the 30 it, Shades of Grey was the, was the sequel. Mm. Or was it the prequel? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was the trilogy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, that was the eulogy. So, all right. So you get recruited. It's pretty much a decision made solely by Dan to recruit you, which I felt like, listen, I felt like what Phaedra was doing was actually kind of brilliant where she was just like, I'll let you guys do whatever you want to do. I'm not going to get involved in anything. You guys, you're the gamer and whatever decisions you make, your fingerprints are going to be on it. So it's never going to be tracked back to me, which is actually true because I felt like, you know, like with any criminal, there's always an MO. Dan's MO from the beginning was, I mean, couldn't be more obvious. I'm just going to take out all the guys I'm threatened by. But by recruiting you, do you feel like once you were recruited by him, did you feel like you kind of had to play the game he wanted to play? Do you feel like you owed him something? And do you think that was a detriment to your game and you weren't necessarily able to play your game because you kind of had to play his and what he wanted to do? Um, I think that's a good question. I think there are so many different um, pressures inside the castle. I think you're absolutely right with your read on Phaedra. She was so brilliant in the acting aspect um, that was required to be a traitor. She was great at being shocked. She was great at comforting people whose partner they just, she just murdered. She was great at like um, connecting with people and being so likable that people thought, oh, there's no way she could be a traitor. So that's all she really needed to do. Then when Dan chose me to be a traitor, he was constantly connecting with me in the castle. And like I said, I do very well in these games when I have a partner to play with. No one else was really talking to me. Like I think the Larsa thing at the banishment table, um, when the traders were picked day one, put a target on me. People were already threatened and didn't want to get too close to me. But Dan was working with me and strategizing with me. So I liked that and I wanted to keep that around, but then the other, yeah. And I felt a bit, I felt loyal to him in that sense where I was like, I want, I want someone to play with. I didn't think he was making good choices. I, I noticed that people were onto him, but I was like, was I ready to come after him and cut him? I didn't, I didn't know if I was ready well, to do cut that. Him. I just feel like you should have distanced yourself a little more from him and been like, okay, this is the read that I got on it. Okay. It seemed like, again, Dan came out of the gate playing really hard and really fast and really messy. The heat was on him from the beginning. So it's like, it almost seemed like with the traders, it should have been a group decision of what was best for the three of you. But it seemed like all the decisions you made early on were what was in Dan's best interest, what Dan needed to do to protect himself because of the position he put himself in. For example, when he basically tells you and tasks you with, hey, we need to give the faithful some blood. It's got to be Phaedra. And then you kind of took that as your marching orders to now plant seeds. 
uh, t- that it's a housewife and that they act. And then that directly brought kind of the attention and the heat on you, even though he was the one that kind of like led you to do that. And then with the protected, then with going after Bergie, when it's like, you know, that was a move that was only made to save his game by doing that. You guys missed the murder. And again, like had you guys made a decision based on what you and Phaedra felt like was, was the best idea and not his, it would have, I think, boded a little better for you. So that was the thing is it just seemed like instead of you being there playing your game, you almost felt, again, some sort of like loyalty and obligation to play Dan's. And I don't think it really set you up for success. Yeah, I think that that, that is partly true because we were both strategizing with one another. And I saw that, you know, Phaedra was brilliant in the castle and no one was going to call her out as a traitor. I didn't necessarily want to get rid of Phaedra. When I did the housewife thing, it was more about Larsa because Larsa was coming after me and they didn't really show this in the edit, but Larsa was really targeting me and bringing a lot of heat on me consistently even since the one moment that she did at the round table. So I wanted to call them out as a group and then turn the spotlight towards her and say, Hey, like this could be happening. And Lars is really good at acting. She's a housewife. And just by saying like them as a group, it also kind of threw some shade on Phaedra, but my intention wasn't to um, spotlight Phaedra. She took it that way, which also gave me a lot of information about Phaedra and how she was playing because she didn't talk strategy with us. I didn't know how loyal she felt towards the traders until that very moment. So that was actually really helpful information for me to have in the turret when I saw, okay, she's not going to turn on us, but now Dan's going to come after her and she's like, can I talk to Phaedra about Dan wanting to come after her? Is she going to trust me enough because she's trusting both of us? She feels very loyal to both of us. So it was really tricky and kind of layered for me where I didn't feel quite safe enough to talk to Phaedra about Dan wanting to target her um, because I didn't know if she would believe me. And then that might cause even more problems for us in the turret. It was so difficult around that scenario. Everyone, no, one, no one can deny that Dan played a messy game, right? I'm, I guess the, the only thing I'm trying to get to is, do you feel like, had you been a trader from the beginning, had you been picked from the beginning by Alan, or had Dan not been a trader, do you feel like, and you kind of had to, you know, go along with, with his plan. Do you feel like you would have had a, a, a better chance at staying, you know, undercover? Yeah, I think it's very clear that the Bergie murder was that like pivotal turning point, and that was my downfall. I'm so, glad you said that because I have an audio clip that I want to play for you, and I want to get your, your your thoughts on this. Okay, I've been exposed, and I fully and completely blame Dan. It was Dan's decision to murder Bergie. But as long as I'm still in the game, I still have power, and I will reclaim it. Mark my words. So that's what you're referring to, right? Yes. The Bergie murder was really, was, that was it. And had I stood my ground in the turret um, on that murder and, and forced the issue, then we would have murdered someone else. It would have been much easier for me to stick around in the game. But Phaedra also was like totally cool with murdering Bergie. So it wasn't like I had backup. It was just me saying, hey, I think he's lying here. And Dan pushing and pushing and being like, no, no, no. Like we, I got to do this. I got to take Bergie out. And I was like, freaking fine. Because by that point, Johnny, it's 4am. 
and I'm so tired and I know I have to do this whole dance tomorrow. And I was like, we got to get out of this turret. Like, I'm not going to sit here and argue all night. So I just let him have it. And that was definitely, that was my downfall that moment. Well, it seemed like then after that, it's like Dan goes home, you get rid of one detriment to your game. And then there's Peter who literally, I mean, where the hell did this guy come from as far as just being this big of an impediment and just this, I I mean, good at the game. Here's what I'll say. Peter was good and very bad simultaneously. He was good because I feel like he had good instincts. He was great at strategizing. He was great at like figuring out what to do. His problem was he fucking broadcasted it to anyone and everyone that would listen. It was almost like he had to get credit for everything that he did. Every move that he made, he felt like he had to sit because it's like, dude, the morning after the, 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 the Bergie um, missed murder, he could not wait to just, you know, stand up in front of the entire breakfast group and be like this. I did this. I was responsible for this. This is why I did it. Um, and then, you know, after the Bergie murder, uh, when he was trying to turn everyone against you, he was like the ringleader of the faithfuls. And it's like, why put this much attention on yourself? I think Peter is the bachelor. Like that's where he comes from. We can't pull people apart from where they came from. He played traitors like he played the bachelor. He is the leader. He is the one who everyone's, you know, bowing down to wanting to tell them what to do. He wants to be in charge and he wants to be seen as the man about the castle. And he put this um, title upon himself as the savior of the faithfuls. Holier than thou. (laughs) Oh my God. He could not he could not drop it. I'm like, Peter, be a traitor with me. And he's like, never, I'd rather die. There uh, there were so many guys doing that, Johnny. It became this sort of like moral, ethical superiority. That if they you claimed. guys would have recruited me, I would have accepted in a second. We know, we know, but you weren't there. I would have murdered my own grandmother. I would have even let you wear some of my headbands. Oh, dude, I would have. I would have been like, me and Parvi aren't working together. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, Parvi, can I wear that tomorrow? <laughs> Um, so do you think though, that trying to recruit Peter, knowing that he was like, like coming after you specifically, do you think trying to recruit him was the best move or the only move? Or do you think you should have murdered someone instead? The only other option I would have had at that point that could have maybe caused enough friction in the castle to help me out would have been to recruit Kate. Um, Because she was a question mark for people. And then it's possible that Kate would have wanted to stir some stuff up and help us banish Peter, the following banishment. But at that point, I didn't really know. I didn't trust Kate. I didn't have a good relationship with her. She was so on to me because she had... She had knowledge of the cast before she came in, in the middle of the game, and she'd Googled all of us. And the first thing she says to me is, oh, you're the one who convinced that boy to give up his immunity necklace, and then you voted him out. I'm going to watch out for you. So I'm like, oh, great. Like another person who isn't going to talk to me and work with me. So I didn't really know what to do at that point. Also, I was fueled with vengeance and hatred, and I was really wanted to take revenge and force Peter to drop his... BS act of trying to be the savior in this goody two shoes. And I wanted to see him be a traitor. And I was so disappointed when he, he kind of should have, I think that would have been, I mean, he had, he's already had a pretty epic storyline this season. It would have been even more epic for, for him to do that. The only thing that's the only thing that would have topped him having sex in a windmill. <laughs> and you know what I think is like some people 
have this experience of having been on these other shows and being vilified. Like Peter faced a lot of backlash from The Bachelor. I didn't watch this mm. season, but I imagine that's what you're talking about with the windmill. Yep. And, and I think you had... He Unless had he's had idea. sex at a windmill on a different occasion that I'm unaware of. I mean, maybe some people have a windmill kink. I don't know. Maybe. Everyone has their own fetishes and I'm not going to judge. But I think he had this sense of, I've got to prove that I'm a good person. I've got to prove that I'm honorable, that, you know, and then turn the critics and the fans' opinions um, towards me in a favorable way. And I think some people will do that as sort of like, I want a redemption arc in their story. But I think Peter just missed the mark because Traders as a show is so campy and it's so theatrical and it's so just ridiculous. But he also, okay, here's the thing. He doesn't want to be a traitor. He denies that, but then turns around and tries to make a deal with you, with Phaedra in the room. He tries to make a deal with the traitors, which I almost think is worse. I think that Peter felt justified in his devious moves and in his strategy because he was fighting for the side of good. It's what? sort of like, like people Robin do Hood? that. And like in every Marvel movie, you see like the person who's the hero, they're fine killing all the villains. They're still killing. They're still lying. They're still tricking. But because they're doing it for the side that's quote unquote good, the good guys, they're justified. So in his mind, he has made that okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, that's that it's just I'm just saying that's just wild. I'm glad and I'm kind of glad that got exposed in this last episode where it's like, wait a minute, dude, you've been telling all of us that Parvati is the traitor. She's got to go. You 100 percent know it's her. And now all of a sudden your pendulum is magically swinging back the other day. I think during that last banish during your banishment ceremony, I think when Phaedra dropped that bomb where when the three of you were in, what the hell room was that, by the way? I'd never even seen that room before. Where was that? It was a secret room off of the bar. And you push the bookshelf in and you can go find it. It's the armory. How'd you find this place? Let me, let me guess. CT was in there searching for booze one night and he just happened to find, happened upon this thing. CT was always just kind of just moving around the castle, not really talking to people. And yeah, I think no, he no, no, it. he was. But listen, CT, what CT will do is you'll have a 10 minute conversation with him and be like, what the hell did you just say, dude? <laughs> he just scooted off into the armory. I don't think you, you, your mouth was moving and <laughs> words were coming out, but not one intelligible uh, thought or sentence came out. And that's just how he does it. CT is brilliant, dude. I'm sorry. I know I was the first one murdered and fucking Dan thought I was the biggest threat. Make no mistake, CT is the most dangerous human being to ever play any sort of mental manipulation competition game. Been doing it with him for 18 years and I've never seen anyone uh, better at doing it than him. It's so funny though, because you're right about the conversation with him. He's just like, beep, beep, boop, boop, beep, beep. Yep. And then he walks like, away. Why were we just, we start talking about who the traitor is and now we're talking about outer space, dude. Like, how did this happen? I love talking about outer space though. So oh. I would be so down for that conversation. Right Especially as a traitor. I don't want to talk about who the traitor is. Talk to me about outer space. Yeah. Let's talk about anything but. Please. Um, the torch lighting ceremony, uh, Phaedra obviously doesn't light your torch. She lights lights castle daddies instead was this part of the plan were you upset about this or did it kind of like you guys both knew you couldn't get murdered so was so or would have this kind of thrown them off the scent had she lit your fire Spager couldn't light my torch she barely even talked to me ever like she's not gonna come over and light my torch i know that but um 
I think we just needed a little bit of drama between us. John saves Peter, throws a huge wrench into your plan. And so you guys murdy, mur- murdy. You guys murder, murder Bergy instead. Yeah, you make Was it sound so one? cute. Murdy um, Bergy? Let's murdy, Ber- let's murdy Bergy. Yeah. Uh, I was so disappointed that I couldn't murder Peter. I was like, he needs to be punished for not accepting our proposal to be a traitor. So I really just wanted to murder him just for fun. But when he was saved, I was like, okay, well, Bergy's the next best thing. And what we didn't see in the edit was Bergy saying, you know what, guys, I'd rather be murdered than be banished. So if it's me, me tonight, too. I get it. I'd rather be murdered than be banished. I would too. Cause at least you could take solace in the fact that you had no choice. It was not done and you weren't voted out in like a popularity contest. I think that's what Bergie was saying too. And there was a lot of talk about, especially amongst, amongst the men, it was John, Bergie, Peter, and CT all doing this thing where they're like, I'd rather be murdered than banished and I'll be a faithful to the end and I would never betray the faithfuls and I'm on the side of good and righteousness. Oh God. So I was like, we got to kill these guys. Barf. <laughs> either, either die a hero or live long enough to become a villain. Um, <laughs> You make a deal, a deal with the devil, finally, with Peter. Do you believe him? Do you think that the bachelor is just playing mind games and gaslighting you? He proposes the idea of targeting Phaedra. But would, aren't you both like number one and two on his suspect list anyways? Like, was this just a way to kind of just buy like another day? Totally. We're completely gaslighting each other. And Peter, you know, oozes sincerity. So I felt like I just needed to match that level of emotional intensity with him when I talked to him. So I'm just there with him, like really laying it on so thick, thinking, okay, if if I can work with Peter for this round, if we get rid of Phaedra, and if then I can somehow turn the suspicion onto Peter, then maybe I can work with the housewives to get rid of Peter next. I would have recruited Kate as well if I would have stuck around. So I had like a little vision for how to get to the end, but I didn't see beyond, like they already thought that I was a traitor. So even if I got to the end, I didn't see a way to win because I imagined at the end, they're just going to banish me in that last like fire ceremony. So I was just willing to do whatever it took to kind of fight and stick around for one more day. <laughs> one more day. And play what it out can that I do way? to make it through to just one more day? And that includes your chat with John, where you take Phaedra's advice to be defrost and stop being such an ice queen. The tears were though, was that an emotional manipulation ga- gaslighting tactic, or were those sincere trying to get John on your side? Look, John and I had a really cute relationship actually that developed over the course of time in the castle where we're stopped down and the cameras aren't recording. And I'd shared quite a bit with him about my life and he'd shared with me. So it wasn't out of nowhere to have that conversation with him. And the tears were real. I had felt such emotional intensity building up inside and I hadn't had anyone to talk with. And I, I did feel it was definitely a tactic to do it on camera and to do it as a conversation under the umbrella of I'm not a traitor and the tears were real and the emotion was real. So it was both. It was a combination. Yeah. It's yeah. That's it was like how method I so you were like method acting. I suppose. I mean, I would not call myself an actor, but I did. I felt like I did pretty good in that oh, conversation. Oh, you wouldn't? Well, this soundbite would say differently. <laughs> What I've recognized is when I feel like I'm under attack, I just like become very icy and I wall off. But I have just felt like 
because I trusted the wrong person, Dan, this target has just stuck to me. When I feel like I'm under threat, I think it's just like a continuation of how I've been living and the things that I've been through for the past two years. Like the only way I've gotten through that was like completely masking my emotions and and I'm just like doing the same thing here. So I don't think it's doing me any favors. This is the first time that I have observed you so emotional. For what it's worth, of all the people that I've met in this game, nobody reveals and displays greater guts and character <laughs> than you do. And what you have to demonstrate is that you are a faithful player and that you wouldn't chop uh, off my head. I would never. I just put a little crack in his mind around me where he can think, maybe she's not a traitor after all. If I can get away with this, maybe I have a new career in acting. Maybe. <laughs> I think so. I would have fallen for it. How does Aww. he go, though, from saying that about you, though, to then you're the Duchess of Deception and the Mistress of Murder? I don't know, man, but I really love those titles, and I'm going to have some sweatshirts made with that swag. Would you, you buy need a guy, it? If you need a guy, I yeah. got a guy. Get me a guy. Dolce and Banana from. Would you wear a Mistress of Murder t-shirt? Hell yeah. I'd wear okay. a Mistress of Murder headband. Okay, cutie. Let's and get it. Duchess, and I'd wear a pair of Duchess of Deception booty shorts. Oh, my God. I'm going to send you those. All right. And some All knee socks. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, just want to obviously get to the most important part of your, this episode, which was your banishment ceremony kind of just touched on it where it seems like the tears didn't necessarily sway John as much as you probably hoped that they would. I, I listen, I'm of the, I'm of the mindset and this is how it's been in the past. Like for me, it's like, if the numbers are all going one way, you know, everyone's going in one direction. You just got to go in with the crowd. You can't go off on your own. And I really do think that. Peter, after he saw the numbers falling on you, even though you guys did make, you know, have this conversation by can, by still voting for Phaedra, I just thought that was just, just a bad move because not only did he go from completely being against you to then supporting you, he makes this vote. And I think all that he's done now is exactly what Kate says at the end of the episode, which is like, dude, you might not be a traitor, but you're playing a shady ass game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's going to be a real problem for Peter moving forward. And all of them that put Phaedra's name, they were all on the wrong side of the numbers. So they all really need to watch them. You're backs. like, they should have all voted for me. It should have been unanimous. You idiots. You idiots. But I kind of loved that I went out causing this rift and creating this crack. Yes. And maybe swiping Peter's legs out from under him on my way out. You did. You Thank 100%. You. It's like the, it's like the slow acting poison that you, that you gave to Ekin Sue. It's like, it's not going to kill you now, but. Trust me, this is, it's kind of like what Dan did to Phaedra as well. It was like mm. on the way out. It's like, I'm going to mortally wound you, but you're not going to die right away. You're just going to bleed out over the course of the next few days. And I think that's what Peter, Peter's fate is going to be. And you did that. So I'm very pleased. I couldn't be more pleased with myself for doing that. You, sh you should be. I'm pleased. That with guy, too. he deserves to die for not becoming a traitor when I asked he him does. To. Hey, you know what? You should you should have done it. This is why nice guys finish last. Assholes finish first. Yeah, it's his fatal flaw. Dude. All right. So 
how did it feel to know that um, it was, you know, Sandra was one of the votes against you because she obviously seemed like that was kind of, you know, that made her happy to be able to do that? Uh, I'm not surprised. Sandra played traitors the same way she plays Survivor, where it's anyone but me. She wants to be on the right side of the numbers. And I think her vote was smart for her. Yeah, agreed. Um, all right. And then obviously you said at the end, after the votes were going down, and that that's a shitty feeling too. When once you're tallying up the votes and you're just sitting there like, all right, guys, can we stop already? Like, it's me. Um, but once the votes came down on you, I mean, what did it feel like in that moment, knowing that this was like the end of the road for you? And like, what was it like then to have to go up and almost confirm all these people's suspicions about you being a uh, being a traitor? It was. Very bittersweet. I wanted to stay in the game all the way to the end, but I realized my days were so numbered and they'd been numbered for many days. So I'd had a lot of emotional intensity built up around having to keep pretending, even though these people knew it was probably me. So it was kind of a relief to stand in that circle and be able to speak my piece and look at them and say, Hey, you guys were right. And it was sort of like, I'm kind of proud of you. You should be proud of yourselves. You figured this out. So it was, I actually enjoyed that moment, but I was sad to leave the game. And I told Alan, I was like, I hope this isn't my last time in your castle on my way out. I have a sneaky suspicion. It's not going to be okay. And what about you? You think you're going back? I mean, if anyone deserves a second chance, it's me. The only thing that would be worse than being murdered first once is being murdered first twice though. So I don't Oof. know. That's happened on that? Survivor. Someone's been voted out first twice. Dude, that would be that Yikes. would be some shit. I would just I would just kill myself right there. Um, I would actually f really murder myself with poison or a dagger. I haven't decided yet. I think I'd. I could I, do it I for you. Okay, I know you would. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Choke me. Deal. You're gonna choke me. <laughs> with choke your own banana peel. <laughs> <laughs> you would love that. Um, all right. Uh, well, listen, again, sad to see you go. I know a lot of the fans were as well, you know, but I don't think this is the last time time we're going to see you. And for the short period of time that we actually got to spend in the castle together, it meant the world to me, Parv. And I'm going to, for, for every, every time I see a headband from here on out, there's it's going to just like, you know, bring in a special place in my heart for you. You do look beautiful. It actually kind of looks like a croissant upon your head. That's making me hungry. Mm, it is. a Bananas and croissants. <laughs> look at you. Breakfast of, breakfast, <laughs> breakfast of champions. All right. Before I let you go, um, just tell all the fans out there listening um, where they can find you. And if they want to slide into your DMs, as I did once upon a time, what your handles are. My Instagram is at P shallow. And you can go to my website, parvityshallow.com. I do, sometimes I lead group coaching, uh, workshops and retreats, yoga, breath work, meditation retreats. So if you want information on things like that, you can go to my website. If you want to just connect with me um, more often, just on traders or life stuff, go to my Instagram. But I might not respond to your DM. <laughs> Uh, she, she won't. I, I actually, guys, she won't even respond to your text messages when she has to come on for a podcast 10 minutes before. So um, what's your favorite yoga hey, position? I will show up for the podcast. You will. You to. did. Here I am. Here My favorite is. yoga position is the banana splits. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> the banana split is it's that's a tough one to do. Yeah, it is. But you're so supposed you to do it with it. But you're, it's a two person yoga move. Yeah, I try to do that in a windmill. <laughs> well, hey, you <laughs> well, never know. 
<laughs> I like happy baby. That's my favorite position. That's a cute one. So maybe the banana split would make me a happy baby. Yeah. You know what they should do? Traders Bachelor, where like you go on dates with people and then the people you don't like, instead of just rejecting them, you you kill them. Right? I mean, that's right up your alley. You are known as the friggin' Black Widow, dude. Yeah. This is my new idea for a new show. You can co-host it with me, Johnny. Perfect. Let's do it. All right. Okay. Well, listen, Parv, thank you for stopping by the Death, Taxes, and Bananas podcast where the tea flows like wine and my guests instinctively flock like the salmon of Capistrano. I'm Oprah, and I love you. Bye, cutie.